Galatians chapter 2 today. I would like to read verses 11 through 21 one more time. Paul writes, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned, for he used to eat with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Judahites joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, If you who are a Judahite live like a Gentile and not like a Judahite, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Judahites? We are Judahites by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Yeshua Messiah. And we have believed in Messiah Yeshua so that we might be justified by faith in Messiah and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. But if, while seeking to be justified by Messiah, we ourselves are also found to be sinners, is Messiah then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. For through the law I have died to the law that I might live to the Almighty. I have been crucified with Messiah, and I no longer live, but Messiah lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of the Almighty who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of the Almighty. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Messiah died for nothing. Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. Two weeks ago, we covered verses 15 through 16 of Galatians chapter 2, where Paul spoke to the two groups of people in the world. Number one, the Judahite Israelites, and number two, everybody else. Everybody else was a Gentile or a heathen sinner outside of the covenant, as opposed to the Judahites who grew up in the faith from birth. And that's why Paul says we are Judahites by birth in verse 15. And Paul pointed out that Judahites by birth were still sinners, just like the Gentile sinners. Paul said that we know, speaking of himself and his fellow Judahites, we know that no one, is justified by the works of the law, but rather by faith in Messiah. And Paul's meaning there is this. We should know this, brothers. We should know that none of us are righteous before Yahweh by the works of the law because even we had to believe in the Messiah so that we might be justified by faith and also by His faithfulness. Now this week we come to verses 17 through 21 covered verses 15 through 16 in my last sermon, 17 through 21 today, and I will have to say that some of these verses have puzzled me over the years because as I study the Bible, I run across verses that can only be taken sometimes one way, and other times I run across verses that could be understood in more than one way. Sometimes verses have multiple layers of meaning, but other times verses mean only one thing. And Galatians 2, 17, 18, and 19 are three verses that I'm not completely for sure as to what Paul meant when he first wrote them. But I'm going to do my best to explain them in context. 
My dad always told me, son, I don't expect you to be perfect, but I do expect you to do your best. Now, verses 20 through 21, the last two verses we'll cover today, those are easier for me to teach because I understand them, I believe, better. We'll get to them towards the end of the sermon. But I want to examine verses 17 through 19 first in the context of coming right off verses 15 and 16, which teaches that we are all sinners and none of us can be justified by the works of the law. Look at verse 17 again. Verse 17 says, But if while seeking to be justified by Messiah, we ourselves are also found to be sinners, is Messiah then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. Now in verse 17, Paul speaks of people that seek to be justified by Messiah. And I want you to notice that he uses the phrase, we ourselves. That follows the we pronoun that begin in verse 15. We who are Judahites by birth, verse 17, we ourselves. If you have a pen or a pencil and you mark in your Bible, you can circle all the times that the word we is used in verses 15 through 17 because it's talking about the same group of people. The we is not in reference to the Gentile sinners. The we is in reference to the Judahites by birth. And this is why Paul says in verse 17, we ourselves are also found to be sinners. He's already mentioned the Gentile sinners, but the Judahites by birth, they find themselves also to be sinners. Now what I think Paul means in verse 17 is this. Listen carefully. When we Judahites by birth, those of us that grew up in the faith towards Yahweh, in the covenant of Yahweh, in the keeping of the Torah, when we seek to be justified by the Messiah, what we find out is that we are also sinners just like the nations, just like the heathens. But does that mean that the Messiah is a promoter of sin? He says, absolutely not. It doesn't mean that. When you seek to be justified by faith in Christ and you read the law and you find out you're a sinner and you need salvation from your sins, does that mean that the Messiah promotes sin? Absolutely not. We've got to always remember that sin is bad and law-keeping is good. Sin and law-keeping are opposites. Law-keeping is always what we ought to do. And sin is never what we ought to do. But the problem is this. We do what we ought not to do and we don't do what we ought to do. It's just reality. The law is not the problem. We are the problem. You do not have to tell people to sin because we sin by nature. We sin because that's who we are inherently by birth as the natural man and the natural woman. We are fleshly carnal beings that carry out the desires of the flesh. We are not good by nature. The Bible does not teach that man is good by nature. The Bible teaches that man is evil by nature. Our hearts are wicked and we are sinners. Have you ever thought about where sin comes from? Because our Messiah said that all wicked things, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual immoralities, thefts, false testimonies, blasphemies, in Matthew 15, 18 through 20, Yeshua said that all those things come from the heart of man. They're spoken out of the mouth and they originate in the heart. 
He said that while some people were so concerned about ritually washing their hands in order to be purified, their problem was not on their hands and their fingers. Their problem was in their hearts. And brothers and sisters, we can't wash our hearts like we wash our hands. It takes one much greater than us to wash our hearts. In Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Yeshua tells His disciples and a large crowd of people, He said, Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Ask and you shall receive. For what man among you, if his son asks him for a piece of bread, what man will give him a stone? And then Yeshua says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Yeshua told His disciples and those that were listening to Him, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. He's speaking of the natural man. Every one of you would have done the exact same thing that Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden had it been you there that day. Men, you are not any better than Adam. Women, you are not any better than Eve. Now this does not okay sin. Preaching should never okay sin. Preaching should ever should never look over sin. Listen carefully. Preaching grace does not okay sin. Grace preached rightly means law preached rightly. A man does not need to be forgiven of anything if he hasn't first transgressed the law. True grace preaching realizes our need for grace. Because as Yeshua said, if you then who are evil. So when I preach grace, it's because I realize my need for grace because I violated the holy, righteous law of Yahweh. So when a Judahite by birth, like Paul, when he sought to be justified by the Messiah, and he realized that he too, or he also was a sinner just like the nation's, That did not mean that the Messiah was a promoter or a minister of sin. It just meant that Paul was a minister of sin. The Messiah came to cleanse Paul. And the Messiah claimed to cleanse any other Judahite by birth that placed their faith in the Messiah. Now Paul then says in verse 18, he says, If I rebuild those things that I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. What is Paul talking about? Once again, he's speaking to we who are Judahites by birth, those in the covenant, those that grew up in the Torah, not the Gentile sinners, not the ones that grew outside of the covenant with Israel, not the ones that grew outside of the land of Israel, not the ones that were uncircumcised and didn't keep Sabbath when they grew up. He's talking about we who are Judahites by birth, we covenant members. He says if we go back to the law for our justification, we only show ourselves to be lawbreakers or sinners. That's what Paul means in verse 18. If I go back to the commandments, in order to be justified, the only thing I'm going to do is prove myself to be a transgressor of the law. Paul is not saying he no longer has any relationship with the law. He is just saying that he does not trust in his obedience to the law to make him right with Yahweh. If Paul stands before the supreme judge on the final day, apart from Yeshua the Messiah, Yahweh will render the verdict of guilty towards Paul. Because Paul has not been complete or perfect in the law. 
Remember, Paul was a blasphemer and a murderer before he was saved from his sin. He said, I did it in ignorance and therefore I found mercy. But nonetheless, he was a blasphemer and a murderer. So apart from faith in Messiah, the one who did no sin, the perfect Lamb of Yahweh, apart from faith in the Messiah, Paul's sins could not be removed from the eternal scales of justice. I believe Paul's whole point here is to make sure that the law is kept in its proper place. Elsewhere, Paul says that the law is holy, just, and good, Romans 7 verse 12, and that the law is spiritual, Romans 7 verse 14. But that does not mean, brothers and sisters, that does not mean that the law is an instrument of justification. The law is not a tool to fix your sin problem. The law continues to manifest your sin problem. And this is key. Because if you leave the Messiah, if you were to stop believing in the Messiah today and go back to the law seeking your justification, you would only show yourself to be a lawbreaker. Even if you profess to believe in the Messiah, but you try to add yourself somehow into the equation for justification, you only show yourself to be imperfect and incomplete in the law. Why? Paul says because we are also found to be sinners, just like the Gentiles. Now, I have up here today, I don't normally use sermon props, but I have up here today a piece of 2 by 4 with a screw in it. The screw has a Phillips head, and if I'm working on a job, and I holler out to my coworker, hey, Hey, buddy, could you bring me a tool to get this Phillips head screw out of this 2x4? What tool do you think my coworker is going to bring me? Phillips head screwdriver, right? Is that right? we got a few carpenters in here. Of course he would bring me that. Now, what if he shows up with a hammer? I've got my son-in-law's hammer up here. What if he shows up with a hammer? He walks over to me with a straight face in all seriousness. And he pulls out this big old 28-ounce S-wing hammer. Anything wrong with that hammer, Brother, brother Jerry? You want to say, brother Jerry's a carpenter. Anything wrong with that hammer, Brother? Would you use that hammer to frame? 30 years and one of them. Brother Jerry's a carpenter. I've seen him build a house from scratch. There's nothing wrong with that hammer. That hammer is designed to do exactly what it's supposed to do, right? But if my coworker walks over to me with this hammer... And says, here, take that Phillips head, back that Phillips head screw out with this right here. That's not going to work. Now, there's nothing wrong with this hammer. This hammer has no flaws in it. And this hammer will do exactly what it's designed to do. But I'll tell you what it won't do. It won't back that screw out of that 2x4 right there. Because that's not what it's designed to do. Now, you can pound away at that 2x4. You can bust it all up to pieces and you might get the screw out. But the fact that you had to do all that, ruin the 2 by 4 and might even break the screw, only shows that you picked the wrong tool to do the job. And how many of you know us that work with our labor with our hands? It always makes the job easier when you got the right tool. Amen? Well, when you try to justify yourself by keeping the law, it's like trying to use this hammer to back out that Phillips head screw. The law is not designed to justify you. That's not its purpose. 
The law is not the right tool for that job. The law is the tool that is used to show you your sin. But it will never remove your sin. Now you would never know that you were a sinner if it weren't for the law. Paul writes in Romans 7, 7, I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. You can't get any plainer than that. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. You would never realize that you needed help if the law did not show you your sin and your sickness. That's why the law is absolutely necessary. The law does what grace cannot do. Grace does not show you your sin. The law shows you your sin. The law reveals to you your need for a Savior. The holy, unchangeable law shows that you are a sinner. That is its design. And the gospel of sweet grace in the Messiah removes your sin. That is its design. That's why I tell people I'm not a law man and I'm not a gospel man. I'm a law gospel man. I believe and I preach both. This is why in verse 19 Paul writes, Galatians 2.19, For through the law I have died to the law that I might live to Yahweh. I have been crucified with the Messiah. See, through studying the law, Paul finally realized he cannot obey the law. Now, I know that's not going to sit well with some of my Torah observant brothers and sisters that may hear this message down the road, but it's just a fact. It is a fact. It is a reality. Now, I'm not saying that you cannot obey the law as a way of life. We do that in our family. We observe the Sabbath every week. My wife and I are faithful to each other in marriage. Tisha and I, we honor our parents. We don't worship idols. We don't murder people. We don't lie to anyone to get them in trouble or about anyone to get them in trouble. We're a Torah observant family. We observe the law as a way of life. But it's only because Yahweh's spirit lives with inside of us. The natural man does not want to keep the law. But the spiritual man, the one that has been born from above, he desires to obey the law. Why? Because he has a new mind and a new heart and a new way of thinking. So we observe the law as a way of life. But if you ask me, Brother Matthew, do you still sin? (laughs) You take it to the bank. I pray every day the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Through the law, I died to the law too, just like Paul. And that's because the more that I study the law, the more I see sins that I commit. I told a fellow one time, if you think that you're perfect in the law, you haven't studied enough. If you think you've got it all figured out, you haven't studied enough. Because the more you study, the holier you're going to see that Yahweh is, and the more perfect you're going to see that the law is. And its main emphasis is not to back the screw out. Its main emphasis is to show you you are a sinner. That's why it's so important that the law continue to be preached. It's so you come to a deeper realization of your sin and a deeper realization of your need for the Savior and a deeper love and appreciation for what Yahweh has done for you through the person of Yeshua the Messiah and the grace that He's given you. Grace doesn't seem like that big of a deal if you don't understand how bad that you need it. I die to the law by studying the law because it drives me to the Messiah. 
But when I'm attached to Yeshua by grace through faith, I die with Him. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. Not literally. I'm not hanging up on the tree with Him. But it's metaphorical. His death is for me. The Messiah died for my sins. Say that. The Messiah died for my sins. Do not ever outgrow that statement. My granddaddy used to say, you're too big for your britches, son. Don't ever outgrow those britches. The Messiah died for my sins. Don't ever think that you're too advanced in the law to say that. Yeshua died for my sins yesterday. He died for the ones that I committed today. And He died for the ones that I will commit in my future. And through faith in Him, I have been crucified with Him. My sins have been atoned for because Yeshua died for my sins. If you ever get too big for the Messiah, you've lost sight of the picture, man. Because you will never get to a point where you don't need Yeshua. Then Paul writes in verse 20, I no longer live, but Messiah lives in me. Oh, hallelujah. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of Yahweh who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now that Paul believes in Yeshua, it's no longer Paul living for himself anymore. It's no longer Paul saying, look at me, look at all the wonderful things that I do. Check me out. It used to be like that. Philippians 3 tells us it used to be like that. But now Paul no longer lives. Paul knows that any good thing that comes out of his mind, mouth, and hands is because the Messiah lives inside of him. I believe that's another metaphor, meaning that he is joined or attached to Yeshua by faith. And the life that Paul now lives is lived by the faith in the Son of Yahweh. Paul says, the Son of Yahweh loved me and gave Himself for me. So that makes Paul want to live for Him. That makes Paul want to imitate Yeshua. That makes me want to imitate Yeshua too. Have you ever thought about this, that the Son of Yahweh died just for you? Paul did. Paul thought about that. Paul said he loved me and gave himself for me. Now it's true that he loves everyone who has faith in him and he gave himself for everyone who has faith in him. But don't be scared to say the Messiah loved me and gave himself for me. Don't be scared to say that because Paul said it. He is your personal Savior. That's not a Christian cliche. That's in the Bible. Paul said, the Messiah died for me. He gave himself and he loved me. So Yeshua died for you. Be grateful for that today. He's your personal Savior. Paul ends this section by writing this in verse 21. Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of Yahweh. For if righteousness comes through the law, then the Messiah died for nothing. When you set aside the grace of Yahweh or when you frustrate the grace of Yahweh, that's how the King James puts it. Or when you make void the grace of Yahweh, that's how the American Standard renders it. When you say that you are saved by a work of the law that you perform, as the first century, many of the first century Judahites were saying they were saved simply because they were a Judahite by birth. Simply because they were an Israelite. I'm saved. Circumcision obviously follows because they're circumcised when? On the eighth day. So therefore, if they're a Jew by birth, then they're circumcised. 
When you say that you are right with Yahweh because of anything that you are or anything that you do, you are taking Yahweh's grace and you're setting it over here on the shelf as though you don't need it and you're frustrating the grace of Yahweh. You're making void the grace of Yahweh. You're picking up His marvelous grace and you're laying it over here in the dirt and you're kicking dirt on it and you're acting like you don't need His grace because I can be righteous and I can be justified by simply who I am in and of myself. And Paul says, no! No! If that's the case, then the Messiah died for nothing. There was no reason for Him to come. If your righteousness, if your justification comes through the law... If Paul said this, look at me, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm so righteous before Yahweh because of who I am. If Paul would have taught that to these Galatians, he would have been taking the grace of Yahweh and setting it aside and saying that Yeshua died for nothing. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. Why would the Messiah even have to die for your sin if you could be perfect in the law? Why? Why would He even have to come? The whole reason that He came is because you couldn't do what He did. Grab a hold to that doctrine and be faithful in that doctrine and be thankful for that doctrine. Oh, I love my Messiah. I love my Messiah. I've failed Him often. He never failed. He never failed. Even when Satan himself came to tempt the Messiah, the Messiah had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the devil himself came to tempt the Messiah. And it's recorded for us, those temptations there. And each time, Yeshua said, No, no, no. I'm not going to give in. I'm going to serve the Almighty. Satan said, Well, it's... This, 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 and this. If you be the son of Yahweh, command these stones to be made bread. Could Yeshua have told them stones to be made bread and then been turned into bread? Absolutely he could have. But he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He's talking about himself. I don't live by bread alone. I live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of Yahweh. Be thankful that when the devil came to tempt the Messiah, that the Messiah did not... Give in to temptation. The first man, Adam, said yes to sin. The second man, Adam, said no to sin. And he continued to say no to sin. Not just one time. Doesn't it feel good? Have you ever had a time in your life when you're tempted to sin and you don't give in to that temptation? And you don't sin? And you say, praise Yahweh. I feel so good that I didn't give in to that temptation. That's something that we have the opportunity to feel because the Messiah now lives in us. But there's been many times where you and I have been tempted to sin and you know what we did? We gave in to that temptation and we sinned. But Yeshua was tempted in all points just as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4.15. I do not frustrate the grace of Yahweh. For if righteousness comes through the law, the Messiah died for nothing. He died in vain. The fact that every single one of us have sinned is proof enough that none of us can obey the law as it is written and commanded. It does not matter what any Messianic, Hebrew roots, or Torah observant person tries to tell me. It does not matter how much they want to argue about this. I will always go back to the fact that they have not always kept the law. 
if the weight of the world rested on Brother Matthew's shoulders, everybody would die in their sin. Because I could not die for your sin because I'm not the perfect lamb. You could not die for my sin because you're not the perfect lamb. It took the perfect unblemished lamb to die for the sins of the world. Behold, John the Baptist said, Behold the lamb of Yahweh that taketh away the sin of the world. John 1.29 If anybody thinks otherwise, you're trying to use that hammer to back out that Phillips head screw. Friends, Yeshua is a beautiful Messiah. He's the unblemished Lamb of Yahweh. He truly is perfect in the Torah. Don't set aside Yahweh's grace. Don't set aside Yahweh's gift. You know in John chapter 4 verse 10, Yeshua calls himself the gift of God, the gift of Yahweh. He tells that woman, well, he said, if you knew the gift of Yahweh, he's talking about himself. I'm the gift. Don't set aside that gift. Don't make void the grace of Yahweh. Don't say that you do something. I had to get a hold of this. Don't say that you do something when you know deep down in your heart who you really are as a person. Don't put up a facade. Don't pretend that by prettying up the outside that it makes you pretty on the inside. That was what the Pharisees did. They looked the part on the outside. If you looked at them on the outside, you think, man, that's the holiest man I've ever seen in my life. But Yeshua said, that's the wickedest man you've ever seen in your life because I know his heart. If righteousness came by the law, Paul said the Messiah would have never had to come and die for your sin. You need the Messiah. He is your only hope. He is your only hope. Be thankful that Yahweh gave him to us and be thankful that the Messiah willingly obeyed the Father. It was tough for him. It was tough. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. It was, it was tough. He went through heartache. He went through a lot. But he said, but nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want, Father. Nevertheless, Aren't you thankful that he did? So, love the law. Love it, love it. David said, oh, how love I thy law. It's my meditation. Brother Jerry talked about the meditation on the law. Study and obey the law. You can obey the law as a way of life. Not for justification, but as a way of life, you can. You can observe it. Imitate the Messiah. Mimic the Messiah. Read about the Messiah in the gospel. See how he acted. Pattern your life after him. But don't trust in that hammer to back out that screw, brothers and sisters. Don't trust the law to do only what the Messiah did for you. The law cannot forgive you of your sin. That's why Yahweh sent the Messiah. If you begin to trust in something other than the Messiah, you are setting aside Yahweh's grace and you will be eternally lost in your sins. The gate is narrow, and the way is narrow. The more I meditate on that, the more I realize that the reason the gate is narrow is because our default human mode is to trust in something that we do instead of something that has already been done for us. That's why the gate is so narrow. Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father but by Him. He's the narrow way. Only by trusting in the Messiah will you be saved from your sins. Not by trusting anything you are or anything that you do, but by trusting in the one who did it all for you. That's the only way you'll be saved. And that's why the gate's narrow, because people don't want to do that. They want to feel like they have something to do with their salvation. They want to feel like they at least have a little part. I've got to tuck a little sheet in here, something that I did, see. When in reality, the man that is truly born from above recognizes anything that I'm even capable of doing. I'm only capable because of the grace of Yahweh that's been put on my life. See, it's big, it's big. So don't pass that up. Receive the gift of Yahweh today. Enter through the narrow gate. And uh, love the law and love the gospel. Love them both. May Yahweh be with us as we go. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. You are great, you're greatly to be praised. I love your law, your right rulings. They guide my path and light my way. And Father Yahweh, I'm thankful for your gospel. I'm thankful for your grace, your free grace in the Messiah. Grace that is, has to be earned is not really grace. Mercy that has to be earned is not mercy. Thank you for that understanding, Yahweh. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. Thank you for filling me full of your spirit. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. I love you, Yahweh Father. Through your son I pray.